Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, everybody. I'm, I'm Josh, and welcome to the new year. Okay, that didn't seem very... <laughs> Not the response I was hoping for, but... Welcome to, welcome to OCC on the first Sunday of the year, on the first Sunday of the decade. And so, there's something powerful about... There you go. Woo. There's something powerful about decades. Okay, this is on. Good. I was like, maybe I'm just... <laughs> there's something powerful about firsts. Uh, do you remember... Who, who can remember their first day of school? Anybody. Wow, last service, hardly anybody could remember that. There's a few that, that remember their first day of school. I don't remember my first day of school. I, I don't remember back that far. I remember a few other things. My first, I think I remember my first spanking, but I don't remember my first, <laughs> first day of school. I do remember my, my son, my, my uh, firstborn son's first day of school. Uh, I was a mess. Uh, he was excited, but I was a mess. Uh, I held it together long enough to get out of the classroom, but what it, one of the things I enjoyed was his teacher was sort of like a young Mr. Rogers. Uh, he, he greeted everybody with a guitar, like a young hip Mr. Rogers, and uh, and he was singing as we came in, and I'm like, this is great, and this, the guy was musical, he could play the piano, he could play the guitar, and it was just, it, we'll never forget him. Whenever I see him around town, I'm like, hey, Mr. Cash, you know, it's good to see you, and he was just a real... Real pleasant uh, teacher who made a great impression on us and on my son. It was just a really, it was a great memory. What about your first car? Who remembers their first car? My my car was something really similar to this. I, I my first car was a sweet little green Toyota pickup truck. It was 1989, which is a little older than this one. Uh, but you know, do you, do you remember that first car? Most people probably didn't have a new first car. Who had a used first car? (laughs) That's kind of what you want for your first car, isn't it? Uh, Because I bet you were pumped. But then also, who remembers their first car accident? (laughs) For me, it wasn't too long after I got uh, my my driver's license. I actually uh, wasn't, I didn't have my first car until I think a year after I got my license. So I crashed my parents' car first, you know. Not intentionally, but I was driving my dad's white station wagon, which if you're going to get in a car wreck, you want it to be in a white station wagon, because they're like tanks. Anyway, I was making a left turn, and somebody was making a right turn, and there was two lanes, and I thought, I thought I learned you pull into the closest lane, he should pull into the closest lane. But apparently we weren't reading the same manual, because we crashed into each other, and I panicked. Uh, It wasn't my fault, but I panicked, I didn't know what to do. And I had just gotten my license, so I should have known what to do. And but I still was like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in so much trouble." I don't know if it was my fault. I didn't, you know. Turns out he had been drinking. There was uh, alcohol bottles in the back of his pickup truck, and, and anyway, he was cleaning it up while the cops came. And, and uh, <laughs> but I still didn't know what to do. I didn't know if my parents were going to get super angry at me or what would happen. But I certainly remember my first wreck. Who remembers their first job? My first job was I scooped ice cream at Thrifty's. I was a, a an ice cream scooper, an ice cream dipper. 
in, in the city of Rio Grande, which is right next to Pismo Beach, and, and where you could get ice cream for 35 cents for a single scoop of ice cream when I was scooping. This is such an amazing deal. Now it's like highway robbery, $1.99. I'm going to pay $1.99 for ice cream? Yeah, I will. I still do. <laughs> I was actually in Pismo for a few nights with my family coming back from visiting uh, relatives in Northern California, and we stayed a few nights in Pismo Beach, and when I'm there, it's sort of like my old stomping ground, so I'm pretty nostalgic. So I was like, okay, this is where I went to high school, and let's go to let's go to get some ice cream at the Rite Aid, because they still serve thrifty ice cream at the at the Rite Aid, and you know, and, and I still eat the same scoop, same flavors, you know, chocolate malted crunch. And so But I don't know what it is. For some reason the firsts they just sort of get burned into our minds, those firsts that we experience in life. There's something about them that aren't that Easy to forget. Now, some of our firsts, and we know this, some of our firsts can be painful. If you've lost a loved one, someone really close to you, then that first Christmas without them is very painful. That first holiday without them is very, very painful. Uh, that first birthday without them, it's just, it's just not the same. There's a hole there. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And others, you're, you're not, you've not experienced that yet. If you, or if you're dealing with a chronic illness in your life, and things were just going along well, and then all of a sudden you find out you're sick, you have this chronic illness, the first anniversary of learning about, about it, now life has just not been the same. It's different now. Or if you walk through a painful breakup or, or, or divorce, when life has just not gone as you had expected, those firsts can be quite painful. Also, firsts, they're often most meaningful. There's something significant about firsts. Like, have you ever been given or received baked goods unexpectedly from, from a neighbor or a friend? Maybe they drop by to give you cookies or, or lemon bars or something that they baked, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Imagine, imagine one of your friends or one of your neighbors arriving at your house, unexpectedly and, and without calling, without texting, but there's just a, there's a knock at the door and you're like, ooh, you've, you've eaten dinner, you're, you're sort of winding down for the night and, and there's your neighbor, there's your friend and they're, they're out there with a plate of crumbs and the remnants of what looked like dessert and they're standing there like this. You answer the door, hey neighbor, what, what's this? Yeah, we, we just wanted you to know that we were thinking of you when we were enjoying some lemon bars and we just wanted to say hi. And you're like, hi. Now, that's probably never happened to you. How would you feel? Good to see you. <laughs> I'm glad you thought of me. Now, contrast that with this. A knock on the door, your friend, your neighbor's shivering in the cold with oven mitts on, holding a hot, fresh, out-of-the-oven apple crisp. And maybe they came with, with plates and forks and a gallon of vanilla ice cream. And you're like, hey, friend, what's this? And then they say, hey, we made this for you. We wanted you to enjoy it first, fresh out of the oven, still hot. I mean, now how would you feel? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Thank you. You'd feel special. You'd feel loved. That's, that's meaningful. It, it, it's brought to you first. It's, it's significant. Now, in the Bible, 
God, he, he holds the power of first. He's the king of all firsts. God started it all. God spoke the first word. Here's what it reads. This is Genesis 1-3. God said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. He turned on the lights at his words. With his words, he created the world that we know, the world that we enjoy. It's powerful. But then we rebelled. We rebelled, and yet God still continued to pursue us. And eventually, he made a way to rescue us. He made it possible for us to come back into relationship with him. And even though we rebelled and rejected him, God stepped towards us. In fact, God loved us first. He was the first to initiate with us. He loved us and showed us his love first. He pursued us. First John 4.19 We love because he, loved, he first loved us. God went first in your life. He, he went first. He made the first move. He initiated with us. If you're sitting here in this room by your own choice, meaning someone didn't drag you in here, which sometimes that's the case for church. But if you are here sitting here by your own choice, you know, God made the first move in your life. You're here because he drew you to want to pursue him, to want to know him. He, he started this process of your spiritual life, wherever you're at in that journey. If you're just starting to investigate, he started that. If you've been on this road for a long time, he, he initiated that. That's, that's powerful. Even before we arrived here on the planet, like God knew who you would be. He knew everything about your life. He knew the end of your life. See, he made us. He pursues us. He sent his son to rescue and redeem us. God gave us Jesus. Look at John 3.16, demonstrating his love for God. So loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Not only did he go first, but he gave us his best, his son. One and only son. Look at Colossians 1, verse 13. Through 15, Paul writes to one church, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. God has done this. He's rescued us. I mean, the dominion of darkness, a, pain, a place of absolute pain and brokenness and separation. where The lights are out spiritually, and he rescued us from that, and he moves us and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Wow. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You can have your sins forgiven because God loves you. Verse 15, about Jesus, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, Jesus was the firstborn over all creation. He's, he's preeminent. He's superior over all creation. Jesus was not a created being. Some people read this verse and say, aha, Jesus was created. But firstborn in the, in the Greek here, it means the first in rank, the highest in rank. Not the first to be created, but the highest in rank. First here indicates superiority over creation. He wasn't created. In fact, the next verse, verse 16, actually says that through Jesus, all things were created through him, and for him, or by him, and for him. All things, in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. This is speaking of Jesus. This, this whole book, really, the book of Colossians, about sort of the supremacy, the supremacy of, of Christ. And, and if we're in Christ, 
Meaning, if you're a Christ follower and you've nailed that down, then what happens the moment you become a Christ follower is God puts his spirit inside of you. The presence of God comes to live inside of you to empower you to, to, to begin to experience God internally. We're, and we're given what's called the first fruits of the spirit. Now, not that we get the spirit of God in, in little doses, but look at this verse in Romans 8.23. Paul writes to the church in Rome, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. God put his Spirit in us. This is like the first part, the first fruits of God's work of our salvation. He put his Spirit in us. It's the, it's, he begins the work inside of us by putting his Spirit in us. Now when the, when the fruit starts ripening, if you're, if you've ever picked fruit, some of you have trees and you've picked fruit off your trees. The, the first fruits, it's exciting because it's like, oh my gosh, it's finally here. It's a preview of what is to come. It's a preview of the future. It's sort of a sampling of what good is coming. Now this is what God does when we experience the first fruits of His, when His Spirit comes to live in us, we get this taste of what good is coming. There's so much more that is coming into our lives as we respond to God's work in us. He's producing things in us through his spirit who lives in us. And so we experience these the power of first in our life. We experience and we receive God's first and his best. The love of the Father, the gift of the Son, and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And so there's some powerful first. So here's four quick practical applications for us in response to God as we enter into a year, uh, a new year and a new decade. Looking at, hey, let's do some things. Let's evaluate some areas that we can bring to God first. So here's four. Number one, commit your day to, the, to God first in prayer before you begin. Commit your day to God first in prayer before you begin. Have that first conversation with him. It, it helps your day go well. This was Jesus' pattern. Look at Mark one thirty-five. It says, And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house wherever he was staying, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He gets out away from others, away from distractions, the quietness, time with his Father, and he prays. And there's a divine mystery in prayer. We, we've got a lot on our plate, constantly. There's constantly plenty to do in our spiritual lives, isn't there? When you think about like your life, if, if you're a Christ follower and you think, wow, there's a lot i gotta got to make sure I do this year. There's a lot, of, a lot of things I know God wants me to do. I know there's a lot of priorities God has you know, for me and things he wants me to do in response to what he's done in my life. And, and you can get overwhelmed with all the things that, that, you, that God calls you to do in life. We're called to serve. We're called and challenged to give. We're invited to volunteer. We're, we're, we're prompted to love people in practical ways. We're taught to share our faith with others. And those things are all acts of obedience that are good. And they're, they're, there's, there's good that we experience as we obey God. But if we don't get down on our knees or if we don't begin with talking to God first and asking God to do what only he can do, then we might be missing the power that we need to do all of those things that are on our plate. I mean, all those things we really want to bring to God, if we don't start with just talking to God, 
thanking God, praising God, worshiping God, bringing requests to God before. If we don't start there, I mean, we miss this opportunity to have the power of God at work in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, an influential Baptist preacher, uh, he, he said this, it is a good rule to never look into the face of a man in the morning till you have looked into the face of God. You know, if you're married, you might supply the word spouse. <laughs> it's a good rule to never look into the face of a spouse or of your spouse in the morning till you have looked in the face of God. If you're a parent, it's a good rule to never look in the face of your child in the morning Till you've looked in the face of God. If you're going to work. Till I look into the face of my coworker or my boss. I mean, it's just really important for us to spend some time with God. To get his perspective. To, to talk to him. To, to ask him for, for input. To pour our hearts out to God. And so we're to pray like crazy. Like it's all up to God. Like it all matters. That, that our prayer life really, really would matter. This would be a great addition to 2020. Going to God first in prayer. It's a great pattern to build. Number two, go to God first. Very similarly, go to God first when problems come. When a problem arises, whether you're talking about trouble, challenges, surprises, pains, when problems come, we're tempted to run to our go-to people in life. You have your go-to people. Like when a problem comes, who do you call? Ghostbusters, I know. (laughs) Then who do you call? (laughs) You have those people that you call. I mean, usually it's the favorites or if you look at your phone, it's the most frequent conversations or texts. It's those those your go-to people. When you're going through it, you call these certain people. Instead, would you consider going to God first? That God would be who you run to. Look at Philippians 4. Six and seven, do not be anxious about anything. That is hard to do. I can't pull that off on my own. I try, but then I get anxious. And I get stewing over things in my mind. How do I not be anxious about anything? Well, here's how. This is what the scripture would teach us. But in everything, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That's how you don't be anxious about about anything. You, in everything, you pray. You bring it to God. And it goes on. Here's what happens. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I don't understand how I'm getting through this. I don't understand how I'm walking forward right now in this time with all this going on. Well, the peace of God has, has the power to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer brings the peace of God which results in a guarded heart, guarded mind. The word guard here in the New Testament is a military term used to talk about soldiers who are on guard duty. And so through prayer, God's peace, it guards and it protects our hearts. It guards and protects those who fully trust in him. That's what God's peace brings, and it is a result of time and prayer, going to God in everything. So that's the second thing. Another first for this next season, honor God with the first part of your earnings. Honor God. Look at Exodus 23, verse 19. From the Old Testament, book of Exodus, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. If you were a farmer, those first fruits that grow up 
in whatever you planted in the ground, whatever has been growing up out of the ground, was considered by God to be holy. It belonged to him. And it was to be set aside. It's sacred. It is to be offered. It was to be offered to God. Giving him first place. The best. The first. Giving it to God. From the produce. Now, Cain and Abel, the, the sons of, the first two sons of Adam and Eve, Abel, the second born son, the scripture says that he brought the first fruit to God, presented it to God. And it was a pleasing offering that God received. God was pleased with that offering. But the oldest son, Cain, he brought what appeared to be sort of the leftovers of his, of what he had. And it didn't please God. Bringing God the, the, some of the fruit or the leftovers wasn't pleasing to God. There's something about bringing the first to God. And I don't think we have any farmers in the room. We might have one or two. Some of you grow trees, but for the most part, you do things and you earn money. Someone gives you a paycheck. We have an opportunity to honor God through giving him the first. Now, John Piper, another pastor, said it this way. Tithing is like a constant offering of the first fruits of the whole thing. The tenth is yours, O Lord, in a special way, because all of it is yours in an ordinary way. So there's this special thing about giving him the first part. He goes on and he writes, I believe the tithe should be the first check we write after the income deposit is made in the bank. And when you write it, when you write, you know, when you give, you put a seal over what's left. God's seal. Giving you this, and God, you're, you're sealing. <laughs> you're, you're putting your seal over all that's left. And the tithe reminds us of that and proves that we really believe it. But, but what a challenge. What a faith challenge to, to give to God out of what he has provided through our work and through our jobs. But what a challenge to do that. One final point of application for us is this. Gather on the first day of the week with God's people to gather. Acts 20, verse 7, it, it, it reads, of the early church, it reads this, that on the first day of the week, we came together. Now, this was the pattern of the early church, to, to gather on the first day of the week. The Old Testament practice followed the commandment to keep the Sabbath day, keep it holy. The Sabbath was a day for worship. It, was, it occurred on a, on a Saturday spiritual, physical restoration and renewal so they would preserve the Sabbath day. The, the, the Saturday was, it, it was holy. It was to be set apart. But for the early church, it says this was their practice. For the Christians, the first century Christians, the practice was to come together on the first day of the week. They began to gather and worship on a Sunday because Sunday was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He died on a Friday. He rose on a Sunday. And so the Christians began to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus to say, this is what we celebrate now, moving forward. Now, the day itself really is not the issue. You can actually worship God on a Sunday. You can go to a church on a, on a, on a Saturday. You can worship God on, on different days of the week. That's, that's really okay. The important practice is that you set aside a time each week to worship God, to celebrate, to respond to God, to, to learn and, and, and listen to God challenge you through the Bible to worship and declare truth as we sing together. Uh, but your presence here really encourages others. 
your participation encourages others, those around you. They're encouraged. And another exciting dynamic of when we gather is that as your life changes, what you tend to do is a natural byproduct of life change is to grab hold of someone in your life and say, hey, I mean, you need to come with me. I want you to be a part of what is changing my life. A natural byproduct of life change is you start inviting others who are close to you, friends and family and coworkers. And that really is the key to most church growth that sticks. It's really pretty simple. You bring your friends, our church grows. Interesting. <laughs> they see your life change, you bring a friend, our church grows. I mean, marketing helps, events help. But you know what makes the lasting difference? It's you guys. Your lives change and you bring people who you sense need life change. You sense there's an openness there and, and, and people's lives are changed. Now there's some things that are on the horizon in 2020 and I wanted to just highlight two and then give you one thing that is a slight change and you'll, you'll understand why. So number one on the horizon in 2020, as most of you know, we're closing escrow on our property in late January. So this next month, Lord willing, we'll close escrow on this property. And now keep this in your prayers because there's always roller coaster adventures in, in any kind of purchase. And so our church is wrapping up the final month of escrow uh, for the property that uh, is on Glen Haven and Alessandro. Really exciting. You'll be hearing more uh, about this property. But that means change. There's exciting aspects with this new season of opportunity. We're going to be worshiping here still for probably at least another two years. Uh, but we wanted you to just know this is this is coming. And this means more change. Uh, another thing is we're sending out a launch team to Santa Clarita uh, to launch a new church. Our first new church. Our first church plant. And so we're really excited about this. Uh, the church, the team will move in June. Bruce Wood and his wife Erin and their family will move in June, a few weeks later, we'll be sending a launch team to move with them as well uh, to Santa Clarita. We'll send the group out in May. We'll do a send-off in May and pray for the group and launch them out of here. And so in light of these two opportunities, here's the change. We plan to continue two services at 9 and 1030. So we're only going to have two services. Uh, and why? You might be wondering, why are we doing that? Why are we dropping our third service? I mean... Cal Baptist hasn't started yet. I think it starts tomorrow, and so students are returning, and, and so we'll add some more students in the mix here in, in the next few weeks. Um, and we're, you know, second service, we can set more chairs out. And so, but why are we doing this? Well, here's why. It's because we're buying our first home, and we're having our first baby. <laughs> we're buying a home, and we're having a baby. So we're securing property for the future, and we're planting a church. And since we've never done these things before, what we're doing is we're pulling together as a group. So the process of going through hard times together and hard things together, it makes sense for us to pull together into two services. And so that's why we made a decision to, to remain at two services. And if we need a third, we can always add it again in the future. Uh, but in June, a few things that are happening is in June, we're sending out as many as 20 adults and children to be part of a launch team. 
So we're sending, and we're sending, we'll be sending people that are, have a web of connections, have different roles here, and so those people will be moving, not commuting to Santa Clarita, but moving their lives to start a new church. And so those people will be gone. And then also we'll be sending people on weekends, like weekend SWAT teams once a month, uh, to go in to help to serve the new church as it's starting so that we can do the behind the scenes work. So we'll send 20 to 30 people a, uh, as they need it in the beginning months to get the church off the ground and be little weekend mission trips. And it'll be exciting. We can help do things behind the scenes while they're meeting people and interacting with people that God is bringing to their new church. But in order for it to do those things, that means we'll be sending out people. And so since we don't know what that will all be like, we want to be strategic. We want to keep momentum here. And so if we ever need the space to really and can justify that, to have the third service, we'll consider adding a 12 p.m. service. Uh, for uh, That's our plan moving forward. Uh, we, we will likely do that for Easter Sunday. So we'll probably have three services for Easter Sunday. But this seems to be the very best way for us to head into 2020. We're excited uh, to not just be doing addition as a church, but we're excited to be doing multiplication as a church. And we want to steward our resources differently heading into this season. Uh, we're also, we want to be thinking not just about the short-term gains of what happens here from week to week, but what, what needs to happen in the long term for the kingdom of God to advance. And so we don't just exist for us here, but we exist to really multiply and be joining God in what he's doing. So we don't want to put undue stress and strain on our people and our, fi- and our church's finances if that third service isn't mission critical. And so we can even save, uh, which will help us with the building that we're uh, moving towards. And so, so next week, we'll continue at, at 9 and 10.30. It is nice to have 30 minutes between the services. I think I've heard, oh, it's refreshing. We're not rushing about as we, as we had been. And so we'll have donuts as we launch an exciting new series. Uh, I want to invite up uh, Daryl Lackey. Daryl is the uh, director of the Inland Empire Baptist Association. We have we have 200 churches in this in 200 Baptist churches in the Inland Empire, and Daryl and his wife Brenda are here. And uh, Daryl oversees the over 200 churches that are uh, serving here in our region. He works to support them, to pray for them, to coach them, come alongside them, to help with with challenges. And so. Uh, Daryl's a, a good friend and has been for over a decade now. I'm deeply grateful for the lackeys. And, and I've asked him to come and just to give us a word of, of encouragement as we head into this next season. Well, good morning. Uh, speaking of first, I remember uh, about 13 years ago uh, when Josh and I met, and he talked about just a driving passion to plant a church here in Orangecrest. And over the years, I've come to appreciate people who, who express that passion. A lot of people, if I do the will of God or others do, they'll do the will of God. So if you support us and this church supports us and North American Board, if everybody will do their part, I'll do my part. <laughs> I like the ones that say, listen, I can really use your help, but whether you get it or not, I've got to do this. That is that passion and that drive that we saw in Josh and Erica many, many years ago. And I remember us praying at, at that time that uh, as even before they did the pre-launch stuff, uh, that for every life that was touched and every life that was rescued, that God would receive the glory for every one of those. And that has happened. It's been an exciting journey. Uh, from the pre-launch, when you gave away ice cream and uh, some of the events, uh, the egg drop at Easter, which was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> 
Some out, of, ideas, out of a helicopter. Yeah, out of a helicopter. Some <laughs> ideas look better on paper, amen? <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I want to uh, just take a moment and, and just affirm you. Uh, the Bible, of course, um, loudly proclaims the faithfulness of God. We sing about that. But the New Testament writers were very quick to affirm the faithfulness of God's people in a local church at Philippi, Colossae, Thessalonica, and the list goes on. Because they realized that when you merge God's faithfulness with faithful people, uh, some pretty impressive things happen that even exceeds our expectations. I was reading this morning um, in where Joshua led uh, Israel into the promised land, so after 40 years of unfaithful people being removed, <laughs> uh, he gathers Israel, and they cross the Jordan River, which was overflowing, and the water stood up on one side, kind of a partial Red Sea experience. And as they crossed over into the Promised Land, God told Joshua, look, I want you to take a, a, a stone from each tribe, and I want you to build an altar on the other side of this Jordan River. That will remind you that when God's faithfulness is merged with God's people's faithfulness, some really impressive things happen. And I want to commend you these last years for your faithfulness to God. Some of you are very gracious in that, gracious in your time and serving God with your talents and, and the abilities he's given you. And some of you are very gracious with your finances. It takes money to run a church and to build God's kingdom and to all of that stuff. You've been very gracious in that, and God honors that. And some of you have been very generous in those areas, coming early on Sunday mornings and staying late and doing the events and sacrificing weekends and vacation time. And, and some recently I know have sacrificed generously. I understand from Josh that as you raised money for the down payment, and this is very rare, that as you did that, the church's monthly offerings did not go down. Is that correct? Yeah. That's remarkable. Usually when a church starts raising money, the monthly because people just transfer the money, which doesn't help. You didn't do that. And that speaks very well of your faithfulness and sacrificial giving to God. Now, understand, God counts giving different than we do. We say, well, that's a really big gift. But God judges generosity by sacrifice. So in the New Testament, according to Jesus Christ, one of the most generous people that ever gave was a widow that gave two mites. He said, man, she gave generously. So God doesn't count by the amount. He counts by the sacrifice. And some of you have sacrificially served and sacrificially given. And when you merge that type of faithfulness to God with God's faithfulness, very good things happen. And I confirm you, I confirm, I affirm you for the decision you're making to, to pursue this property. I've been doing this for about 14, 15 years now. And I'm sure there's some exceptions out there. I've not found one yet. But churches that make long-term impact in their communities plant roots deep in that community. And when you buy property and you build, you're staying to this area, we're here to stay. We're, we're investing deeply in this community. And for some reason, God really honors that. So let me just affirm the decision in which you're going. And let me encourage you to remain faithful. Because those, those 12 stones that they built would encourage them at the moment, would also encourage them in the future. Because not everything goes right. Amen. And God does things differently than we do things. So as you start this building, I, I mean all the money may come in, all the neighbors may understand, the building department may be completely agreeable, all the inspections go well. That could happen. 
<laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> and during the maybe nots, you go back to the 12 stones. And you'd be reminded that when God's people faithfully serve him, since he is so faithful, his will is always accomplished in the way that brings him the greatest glory. So it's been a joy to watch what God has done here. Lots of churches praying for you as you move forward to the next season. God bless you, brother. Thanks. Thanks, Daryl. Daryl, Daryl and his wife are, they do, they travel through uh, the Inland Empire, which reaches actually further than you'd think, because we've defined the Inland Empire a little different, <laughs> because it's a really large geographically, uh, just it's a huge association of churches. And so, uh, but Daryl, having Daryl so close to our church has been such a help. And so if you get a chance to say hi to to meet the lackeys. They're here. They love to say hi to you. Uh, and I'm excited about, I mean, that that's what you were mentioning there about just how God pairs those things together. I'm excited about that. We've seen that, and I, I'm really believing that that's, we're asking, we're leaning on God's faithfulness as we, as we lean into this opportunity. And so uh, thanks for the encouragement there. I want to invite our, our worship team back up to the stage and, and these four areas that we've looked at this morning these firsts these four firsts real practical great for evaluating so maybe start by just looking at the list and saying how am I doing in these areas and God where do you want me to focus which one of these where do I start where do I go first uh, maybe identify, maybe circle the one that you'd say, God, I want to commit to, to, to face this one, to pursue this, to bring this before you, uh, to stay after it in this area. And sure, we'd love to do them all, but, but where do you start? Where do you start? What's God speaking to you this morning about? What area? I'd encourage you to maybe jot that down. There's space at the bottom of the listening guide. And, and if there's something else that God has been putting in your heart this morning, just jot that down for yourself on your listening guide. And, and let's pray as we continue. Father, thank you for that word of encouragement. You are a faithful God, and you have brought faithful people around here, and you've done some exciting things, Lord, and we look forward to seeing what's in store in the future, and we're, we are reminded, Lord, that uh, we can't predict all that's about to happen, and, but you're faithful, you're steady, and so our eyes are on you. We... Uh, there's temptation to just evaluate the, the natural circumstances we see, uh, but we can so quickly get taken off track and uh, miss your way if we look at just what we can see physically and naturally. And so, God, uh, we want you to move in our lives, in our spirits, Lord, supernaturally. We want to see you work, Lord, in, in, uh, in these steps we're taking God, for us as individuals, uh, firsts are powerful. They're meaningful. And so, Father, help us to yield to you the, the very area uh, that, you, that you're nudging us, Lord, this morning to, to yield. Help us to identify the barriers and the challenges that maybe is preventing the changes in our life. Help us to uh, see very clearly, God, the steps that we can take today and tomorrow, Lord, to turn a corner on something new, God. We don't want to just live the same life 
in repeat, Lord. We want you to do uh, a new work, God, in us. Be changing us and refining us, God, as we yield more and more to you in the days of our life. So we commit these, uh, we, these areas to you, God. Would you bring these things about in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.